0: Let me get there also. I'm sensitive to the spirit of God this morning as I've been putting this together and praying about and studying it out. There's a lot of different ways that this could go, and I don't want it to be my words. I want it to be God's words that we hear this morning, but you know, it already seems like a theme for 2023 is to really get all God has for us as a church. Uh, wherever you are, if you've just been saved for a couple of months, you've been saved for 50 years, uh, that 2023 could be your best year as a Christian. Uh, I know that's in the heart of my pastor. I know that's in the heart of, um, you know, possibly everybody in this room. Uh, And so let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 1. Keep that finger also in Hebrews chapter 3. And by way of introduction this this morning, let's uh, read these verses here. So Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, These be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side Jordan in the wilderness, in the plain over against the Red Sea between Paran and Tophel, and Laban, and Hazaroth, and Dizahab. There are 11 days' journey from Mount Horeb by the way of Mount Seir unto Kadesh Barnea. And it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according unto all that the Lord had commanded him in commandment unto them. After he had slain Sion, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which dwelt at Ashtaroth and Idri, on this side, Jordan, in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare this law, saying, "The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount, turn you and take your journey, and go to the mount of the Amorites and unto all the places nigh thereunto, and in the plain in the hills and in the vale and in the south and by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, and unto Lebanon unto the great river, the River Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land before you go in." And possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. The children of Israel had spent 40 years wandering around in the wilderness after being delivered out of the land of Egypt, out of Pharaoh. By God's mighty hand, God brought them out of Egypt. And even though it was an 11 days journey, they ended up having to spend 40 years in the wilderness. And why was that? Because there was an unbelieving generation that when they got to the gates of the promised land, they wouldn't go in because they had an evil heart of unbelief. And so they had to wander in the wilderness. And in Deuteronomy, the book opens up. This new generation is here. The old generation's passed away. And Moses gives them the same charge that he gave that first generation of what God wanted them to do. And you know what God wanted them to do? God had a land promise for them, and he says in verse 8, he said, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land. Go in and possess the land. Flip over with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Flip over with me to Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 3. If you're already there, we're going to jump right to, uh, to verse 7. The Bible says, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts as in, the day, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the the deceitfulness of sin. Today, I just want to exhort you today while we have today, because today truly is all that we have. We're not promised tomorrow. So today I want to exhort you to go out and to possess all the things that God wants you to possess for his glory. So let's open up here with a word of prayer, and we're going to look at that word, possess. We're going to uh, do some teaching in God's Word. We're going to do some preaching, but we just got to—I I, want to encourage you, exhort you today. Just go out there and just possess it. Just go get it for God's glory. So let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for waking me up this morning. Lord, you've put my, your word in my heart, Lord, and I just feel like a fire in my bones, Lord. And I don't want it to be me this morning that preaches your word. And preaches my word, Lord. I want to be just your word that goes out, Lord. And Lord, uh, you've shown me some things in your word, Lord. You've met with us already this morning. Uh, Lord, you would know every need in this room. I don't know every need in this room, Lord, but you know them, Lord. And I know that you have a will for us, Lord. Just go out and possess things for your glory, Lord. Lord, help us, Lord, just glorify you this year. Help us to glorify you today. And Lord, just help us, Lord, even now. Just calm our hearts quiet the distractions. And Lord, show us, Lord, what you would have us to learn so that we can get to know you better, so we get to love you better, Lord, and so that we could just be used of you, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. I pray that you get all the glory and honor for everything that we do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to define this word possess first, all right? Because it's very important that God tells the children of Israel that they got to go out and they're going to go and possess this land. Definition of the word possess is to have the just and legal title, Ownership or property of a thing; to own, hold the title of as the rightful proprietor, or to hold both the title and the thing; to seize, to gain, to obtain the occupation of. You know, think about this. Every one of us has some possession, right? Something that we have, right? Something that you you own, right? Could be a bag, could be a coat, right? Could be a house. You know, if you own a house, it'd be weird for me, for you to come home this afternoon and for me to just be sitting on your couch, right? And why would that be weird? Because that's your possession, right? That, that's yours. That's your thing. That's your property. You know that the whole earth belongs to the Lord. Amen. And the children of Israel were promised the land of Canaan. The Bible says in Genesis seventeen eight, And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God owns the whole universe, but he made a promise to Abraham that if Abraham took a step out by faith, that there was a land that he was going to give to a nation to possess, to his seed to possess. Only God could give that. Only God could give that. But when God owns something and he says, here, you can take this, then you know what? You and I would do well with all of our heart, all of our soul and all of our mind to go and get that. Because God's already given it to us But you and I just got to go out and do it And the children of Israel were at a turning point And you and I today, no matter where you are You're at a turning point in your life For Jesus Christ to go out and to possess He made that promise To Abraham That he would make him a father of many nations And Israel had a big part Has a big part to play In God's plan And turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7 Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7 Because I want to just spiritualize this for us so that we can get this this morning. So that we could see just, I mean, God's got a plan for your life. And this isn't a prosperity gospel. We're going to see very soon that that's not the case. But if we could just get a hold of what God's will is. And when we're in his will, that he just gives us the power to go do those things. And man, we got to be bold. and We just got to do it. And so Deuteronomy chapter 7. This is what the Bible says. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 7. This is, uh, again, Moses, given the second law to the children of Israel, given that, that charge to the, that second generation, he says, The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out from the house of bondmen, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Moses is saying, It's not because of you that God's doing these things. And you know, if you've been saved, you know what God's done? He's taken you and he's delivered you out of the mighty hand and power of sin and of death and of hell and your adversary, the devil. God's forgiven you of all your sins. He's delivered you from their power, not because of anything that you did, but because by his grace, because his mercy, because he loved you enough to sacrifice himself for you. And you know what? Just like he tells the children of Israel, it's because I love you. I'm giving you these things. He said, because I love you, I'm telling you to go possess these things for my glory. Turn the page over to Deuteronomy chapter nine, verse four. Let's just just get God's perspective so that we can understand what it is that he's asking us to do. Deuteronomy chapter nine, verse four, it says, speak not thou in thine heart. After that, the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, for my righteousness, the Lord hath brought me into possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. Not for thy righteousness, nor for the uprightness of thine heart, dost thou go to possess their land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee, and that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." You know what God's telling the children of Israel, giving them perspective, that it's not for your righteousness. It's because there's evil in that land that I'm going to use you to clear out why, so I can get some glory. And so God says to you, believer, you know, we, we just saying the song, send the light. There's a lot of darkness out in this world. And Josh made a great point. First thing God said, let there be light. You bring the light of God's word into that darkness so that God can be glorified. And so what does it mean we're going to go possess some things so we can be in that place of blessing? It's not just so that I can be blessed. You know how I get blessed is when I look at all the things in my life, I get God involved in it and I possess it for his glory. I possess it for him. God blesses that. God blesses that. The children of Israel were blessed because they took that land away from those enemies and they lived according to God's word and God blessed that. But in the minute that they walked away from God's word, you know what God said? He's like, you can't have this land. And so you and I get the blessings of God when we go and possess. We're going to look at some examples, but just so that we have perspective. God wants your marriage. God wants your, 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 your employment at work. God wants your ministry. God wants your hands. He wants my feet. He wants my mouth. He wants everything that you have to be possessed for his glory. And you and I just got to go to war to go get those things for God. So let's look at this word possess. You know what, the word possess is used all throughout the Old Testament, usually aimed at Israel to go possess that land. But the word possess is actually only used one time in the New Testament towards the Christian. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because in the one time that God actually uses the word possess for the New Testament believer, he tells you that he wants you to know how to do it. He starts to lay the instructions for how to do it. Because God doesn't just give you that command to go possess. He's like, I'm going to show you how to do it. It's kind of like if you're at a um, start of your job, maybe you start a new job or something, and uh, your boss goes over to you and gives you a whole list of things to do, you know. And you haven't even learned the software. You haven't learned how to use these tools. You don't know where to go. And he says, just go do it, you know. God, God's not just saying, go and do it. God's given us his word. He's given us the field manual for our warfare. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I got a real blessing when I, when, when I saw this. Because God doesn't just tell us to possess, but he shows us how to do it. It's his will for you to know it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to dig a little bit and we're going to, we're going to just dig into God's word here this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Bible says in verse 3. He says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. You know, we see that, that verse right here in verse four, God saying, you know what my will is? That every one of you, and notice it doesn't just say that every one of you should possess his vessel and sanctification and honor, even though that is also God's will. In the context of these verses, he's saying, You got to be able to possess this body that you inhabit for my glory. He says to abstain from fornication. You got to watch out for those sins because you start to let that sin in your life, you're not a vessel unto sanctification and honor. And so you, how are you going to go on to do anything else for God if you can't first get your own lusts and your own desires under control, right? He's, he's contrasting it to the lusts of the Gentiles, of the world around them, right? So it's God's desire and it's God's will that you possess your vessel. But just look at the beauty of it in verse 4. He says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel and sanctification and honor. God wants you to know how. And you know how you, you, know how you do it? Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Turn, turn, just stay with me. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Because we're going to see very clearly how you and I possess our vessel. And if we can learn how to possess our vessel, we can learn how to then possess everything else. Because the power that we need to draw from to possess our vessel is the same power we've got to draw from to possess everything else that God wants us to possess for his glory. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's start up in verse 15. The Bible says, Let's take a step back here. Second Timothy chapter two, God is, uh, Paul is talking to Timothy. And second Timothy chapter two is a chapter on warfare. Paul starts it by talking to Timothy and says, talking about enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. About how no man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life. And so I think it's fitting in a chapter on warfare, spiritual warfare, that you and I, if we want to be warring Christians and conquering Christians for Jesus Christ, that Paul gives to Timothy and God gives to us the instructions for how to go and possess. And in verse 15, this is what he says to Timothy. He says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and that one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now pay attention here. But in a great house... House he's talking about here is talking about the church of God. He's talking about, he's not talking about the lost here. He's talking about the church of God. He says, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. He's saying even in the church, there's some vessels that are unto honor and some vessels that are unto dishonor. He says in verse 21, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor honor sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. You know how I know I have a vessel in my possession that's unto honor, that's sanctified, that's meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work, that's gonna bring glory to God? If I make the word of God the final authority above everything else in my life, when I get to the place where the word of god has word of god has the preeminence over every other voice that's competing for its authority in my life that's when i become a vessel that's purged unto honor and then i possess something for the glory of god walk it up to verse 15 i'll show you why in the context of these verses he's talking about some people in the church that have erred from the truth they've erred from the truth in verse 15, he says to Timothy, he says, study to show thyself approved unto God. You know what? We live in the Laodicean age. We live in the last days here. And uh, Paul talks to Timothy in, this, uh, in the book of 2 Timothy, in this chapter about warring in a world where even the church is just lost. Even the church just doesn't know which way is up, which way is down, and doesn't have a hold of God's truth. And he says in verse 15, he said, you know, Timothy, don't be like one of them. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. To be ashamed, what do you mean be ashamed? Because when you and I, when you and I don't have a grasp of the authority of God's word, and you and I just wander every time the wind blows, and we don't get our feet grounded in God's word, and we don't appreciate its power. You know what we are? We're ashamed, not just before the world, but before God. We're like the, um, you don't have to turn here, but in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, this is what God says about that church of Laodicea. He says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. The church of Laodicea's got Jesus Christ on the outside, got God's word on the outside. And he says to Timothy, he says, study, show thyself proved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That's why this first Bible church we get around God's word and just preach and teach God's word. That's why pastors mentioned a thousand times, you got a question about the Bible, he will answer it. We'll try to answer it the best that we can. And if we don't know the answer, we'll go find the answer. Why? So that we can just grow you up in God's word, so that I can grow in God's word. Because until the word of God is the final authority, until I appreciate that, it's, that that's the power that I need to draw from to go fight this spiritual warfare... I can't be used of God. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Let's keep going. Verse 16, because here's the contrast. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. You know, some people, it, it, they never get a hold of, of God's word because they're not familiar enough with it, right? And we see that today in Christianity, is that so many people just aren't familiar enough with God's word. They're just not familiar enough with it, right? And maybe they went to a church that didn't teach and preach God's word. There's there's a lot of churches unfortunately like that today. But you know how you get more familiar with God's word? How you get more faith to trust God's word? The Bible says that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You gotta get closer to the word of God to continue to grow And it's kind of like you not going to the gym because you feel fat and disgusting. Well, you know how you're going to stop feeling fat and disgusting? By going to the gym. And if there's any part of you, because some people have only been saved for maybe a couple of months, maybe even saved for years, and maybe you just never, you know, got into God's word, understand the importance of it. Don't feel uh, uh, like you've wasted all this time and and you're never going to get it all right? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Don't be intimidated by someone else's knowledge of God's word, uh, because people can quote verses and stuff. None of that. Wherever you are this morning, because I'm talking about right here today, just get closer to God's word, right? Because here's what happens. And this is for people that don't make that decision. You know, Timothy, a tells Timothy, shun those profane and vain babblings, right? All those other voices that you, that you got out there, whether it's the news, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a book, whether it's a philosopher, a teacher, whatever it is, a friend, a family member. If it's not lining up with God's word, you got to shun it. You got to throw it. Got to throw it away. Verse 17, their word will eat as of a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred saying that the resurrection is passed already and overthrow the faith of some. I mean, these people aren't just misquoting John eleven thirty five. 35. These people are sitting here, and they're saying that the resurrection's already passed. Well, no wonder that the, 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 it's such a mess, and the, the, their word is eating up as a canker. These must have been some pretty miserable people because Paul said that, I man, if the resurrection's already passed, and it's just us, if Christ be not risen from the dead, we are of all men most miserable. If I don't get a hold of that fundamental truth, then what am I going to do for God? He says, you know, if that's the case, then let's just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, right? And so you and I, Paul's telling Timothy, you don't be, purge yourself from those people. Purge yourself from those voices. Instead, make, get an intimate relationship with God's word, because this, again, is in the context of spiritual warfare, right? And the Bible being the field manual, God doesn't call green troops into battle, right? And so a leader in war, is not going to bring men into battle with him until, unless he knows that when the battle starts and he gives a command that the troops are going to follow it. Because if you've got a, a soldier in your company that you don't know is going to trust your word when the command comes, if that soldier is then going to follow his own words, you know what he's going to do? He's going to compromise the mission and he's going to put everybody else around him in jeopardy. And so God's not going to use you and, 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 and give you these things to possess until he knows that you can be trusted with his word. Until he knows that when I give you a command, that you're just going to go out and you're going to do it. And that's what God prepares the believer. So the turning point to be able to go and to possess anything for God has to start with you being able to say, God, I'm wrong, you're right, and where do you want me to go? That's where, the, that's where it starts. That's where it starts. And turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter eight, because as you would see it, this is the lesson that uh, God was teaching the children of Israel in the wilderness. He taught them a lot of things. They went through a lot of things out there in the wilderness. And that first generation uh, really messed up and God had to show them some things. But in Deuteronomy chapter eight, we see the focal point of what God showed them and how he knew that they were now ready to go out there and possess the land. You know, Deuteronomy chapter eight, just say amen when you get there. Let me get there too. <clears throat> All right, so Deuteronomy chapter eight. The Bible says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And there's right there in the Bible. He said, all these things I did in the wilderness, why? To humble thee. Has God ever humbled you with his word? Man, this week he humbled me just all throughout studying this, humble you. You gotta just bring yourself to this objection and just, all my thoughts, cast it out. God, what do you got to show me? He'll humble you through his word to prove thee. What? To know what was in thine heart. Man, God, God, God sees right through it. You can play the game for as long as you want. But if you're wondering right now, Man, I've been saved for a while, but I don't feel like I've gotten that victory that we talk about all the time on Sunday. Well, can you do a God check and just see where you are, where you're at right here in this verse? To know what was in thy heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. You don't got to turn there, but the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is quick, it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This book will read you if you let it and it'll show you what's wrong so you can turn to God and say, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And that's when you'll be ready. Verse three, he says, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna. Man, he got to get you to the point, got to get me to the point where I'm like Job, where i seem his words more than my necessary food. Which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. You know, a lot of us, We like the idea of going out to battle and going out to war. You watch a bunch of action movies, you see, you know, gladiators and warriors going out there and man, there's a glory in it. And a lot of us, you know, we want to make Jesus Christ the captain of our warfare. You know, the children of Israel had Moses in the wilderness, but then when they were ready to take the promised land, they had Joshua. And each Moses and Joshua both pictured in their own way the Lord Jesus Christ. But, you know, before you can get Jesus Christ as your captain, before you can make him the captain of your warfare, you know what he's got to be first? He's got to be your shepherd. He's got to be your shepherd. You got to be God, Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice. Amen. Do you hear God's voice? Are you submitting yourself to his will so you can just follow him? He's got to become your shepherd. Psalm 23 says that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Man, that's a sobering thought. I mean, even, for, even right now, man, can I say that? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. No matter what comes my way, am I going to stand on God's word or something else? Is the Lord your shepherd? The, is the Lord my shepherd? That's what he was teaching the children of Israel in the wilderness before he got them ready to go possess anything. And you know, the greatest example, that last part of that verse here in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Look at one more and then we're going to move on to our next point here. He says, he said that, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. That verse sound familiar to anybody? Turn to Matthew chapter four. Turn to Matthew chapter four, because this is a great picture and a greatest example of living this truth here. You know, Jesus Christ, your savior, Before he started his earthly ministry, before he did any miracles, before he went to the cross, before any of those things that we read about in the gospels, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil. And in verse one of Matthew chapter four, it says, then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You know what? The first test that the devil gave to Jesus Christ was a test of where are you drawing your power from? Where are you drawing your power from? You, you're the son of God. Command these stones be made bread. Oh, Jesus, you're, you're, you're weak. You're, yeah, you might be, uh, I would never challenge you in your glorified body, but you're in this tabernacle of clay here. You're all God, but you're also all man. And you've been out in this wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. You're hungry. You're thirsty. Well, maybe now I can tempt you to see where are you actually drawing your power from now, Jesus? And what does Jesus say? He makes it very clear to the devil. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You know what Jesus Christ was very clearly saying to the devil right there? He's like, I might be in these robes of flesh, but don't make any mistake that everything that I'm doing from here on out is all in my power, all from the power of God. And you and I, we have the words of God. And just like Jesus Christ overcame the devil with the word of God, that's how you and I are going to overcome the tempter and everything. Because everything that Jesus Christ did, if he doesn't get that first question right, then we're all lost here. If he doesn't get that first thing right, that I don't, I don't have no confidence in this flesh, but all the authority, it's all the word of God. And every time temp- he got two more questions that the devil asked, two more temptations, and he just gave him the word of God. Just gave him the word of God. Man, Jesus Christ is the greatest example of that because even though he wore these robes of flesh and he went to the cross and he said, devil, you can tempt me when I'm hungry, when I'm thirsty. You can beat me till I'm bruised. You can whip me. You could put nails in my hands. You could put nails in my feet. You could put a thorn of crowns in my brow. But until I say it's finished, I'm not giving up. I'm going to complete the whole will of God and what the Father has given me to do, because that will is too important, and I'm going to glorify God, come what may. Man, if, if I could just get that, if you and I could get that, man, I think that we'll be ready to go possess some things that God has for us. Because that's what God wants us to do, but it's got to start there. It's got to start there. When we're in the battle, when we're out there in the field, man, we got to draw the power from this manual. And we got to rely on other brothers and sisters who are drawing the power from this manual as well. So that's the, that's, the first, that's the first point here is how do you possess your vessel? You gotta get under the authority of the word of God. Just love it. Make, make, make it your necessary food because that's the power. That's the power. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. And I want to look at some examples of possessing, what that looks like for the Christian. Let's look at some practical examples here and turn with me to Joshua chapter one. Turn with me to Joshua chapter one. <clears throat> just give me a moment while I catch up with you here. Joshua talked to one of them. Joshua is just a great character in the Old Testament. Uh, The book of Joshua, a pastor did a study through the book of Joshua on uh, Thursday nights. Uh, It's a tremendous blessing and I mean, there's just so much just truth. I mean, you're going to go to war for Jesus Christ, get familiar with the book of Joshua and just see how they did it. Uh, But we're going to look at some of these things here today because there's some clear pictures here of what it is to be a possessing Christian, not just a professing Christian, but a possessing Christian, A, a Christian that's going out there and just go get everything for the glory of God. And what I see here in Joshua chapter 1, verse 16 he says, uh, so Moses is dead. And, jo- and the Lord gives Joshua the charge in the first, first nine verses here of what he wants him to do. Be strong, be of good courage. And in verse 16, Joshua gets done commanding the children of Israel of what they're going to do. And he says in verse 16, he says, this is the children of Israel. And they answered Joshua saying, all that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words, and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. Wow. I mean, just contrast that, that first generation. Every time Moses told them to do something, it was like there was always a complaint. There was always a yeah, but. There was always always looking back to Egypt. What about this? What about this? Man, this people that's prepared to go possess, Joshua gives them a command. This is what they say. He said, oh, all that thou commandest us, we will do. Whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. And that's got to be my heart. That's going to be my heart. And you're going out and, and, and you're bringing things together for God's glory. And God tells you what to do. Just go out and do it. Don't negotiate. Just go out and do it. I mean, think about some examples. I mean, we, we talked a little bit uh, earlier about, you know, things that God wants to possess for his glory. I mean, think about uh, just your, your, your family. I mean, this is one of the things that God was bringing to my attention. Just think about your family, right? I mean, God wants to be in everything in your family. God wants your entire family to bring glory to God. We seen that song in the hymnal, Christian Home. I mean, what's to God that all of us that our prayer would be to have that Christian home? to have that Christian home, just where everybody is just totally submitted to the will of God. And you know, in the Bible, especially in the book of Ephesians, there's so many verses in the Bible about fathers, about mothers, about sons, daughters, siblings. I mean, wherever you fit in that category this morning, there's a verse in the Bible about how you can possess that thing for all of God's glory. And so that if you're a father... Like, I'm a father now, and I want to learn, man, how do I raise my daughter? This, this is a sobering thing. You know, I, I've got this daughter now. I've got another one on the way that, that God's given me. God, let me not mess this up, right? Let me not treat this thing lightly. Let me not lack any diligence in this thing. But no, instead, let me possess this thing for your glory. You know, and, and not to, to sound self-serving, but I think this is part of the Just the motivation behind this message and what God was working on my heart is, um, you know, I'm I'm sitting down and and, and talking to Jenna and just looking back uh, the the other day of all the things um, that God has has brought us to and and shown us even just since the time that we got married. I mean, we've been married uh, since 2017. So what's that coming up on? uh, That was quick, right? It's coming up on six years this year, right? Um, But even before that, when we met, I went down to school. And then we got married. Uh, and then we lived uh, on our own in Virginia for a while, you know. Uh, and it was a little bit more expensive uh, because if you live near family, you're at least guaranteed one free meal a week. Uh, but when you live on your own, you know, you got you to gotta figure it out, right? But it, but it was good. And, and God helped us just to build our relationship with each other. And we got to learn how to figure things out. And we got to learn how to, uh, when you got a disagreement, how do you get back and, and reconcile? And how do you just make God's word uh, your priority? And, and when I look back, I didn't get everything right. And, and there's things I look back. I would have done differently, as I'm sure some of you might be thinking, you know, whatever it is, you know, there's things you would have done differently, right? But I just think about, you know, just the steps of what God gave. And, you know, he gave me, uh, you know, Jenna, and then we we came back here, and I had a heart wanted to get involved in church. And, I mean, look at this church here. And and then gave us a a, a house, and and gave us a daughter, got another daughter on the way. And look at all these things, and I gotta be careful, because God's not good because of the things that God's given me. OK, I got to be careful with that God's and we're going to look at that. God's not good because of things that God's given me, even if God didn't give me those things. And even if he takes those things away, God's still good. God's so good. And, and that's really that's the difference is, is, is the Lord, my shepherd. Right. When God takes some things away or puts some things in my life, can I still say, God, you're good? Can I still say, God, I'm going to follow you. Right. That, that, that's where the rubber meets the road. But I look at all these things and I say, you know, God, like you give you, you've given me these things. You've given me these things. How can I use these things for your glory? Because if I'm going to lose any of these things, let it be because you're trying to show me something so you can make me a better Christian. But don't let it be because of my lack of diligence. Don't let it be because of my lack of, of, of diligence, because my lack of faithfulness to your God's word, to the things that you've given me. Don't, don't let it be because of that. Don't let it be because of my sin that these things got to be taken away. So you got to chasten me so I can come back to where I need to be. Don't let it be because of that. Don't let it be because of that. And you know, God was showing me in his word, was show me as I was putting this message together, is that you and I as Christians, we don't need to, we don't need to live back on our heels, We don't need to wait for the enemy to come to our gates so we can find out where the breaches are and then we can pick up the pieces and fix it and hope that it goes better the next time around. You know what God told the children of Israel? He said that you're going to go and you're going to possess the gates of your enemies. And you know something? You and I all know where the enemy is in your life. Maybe the enemy's got your thoughts captive. Maybe the enemy's got your eyes captive. Maybe the enemy's got your hands, your feet. You and I all know where the enemy is in our lives. You and I need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. And we need to go out where the enemy lives. And we got to bring the word of God. And just like, the, just like Jesus Christ in the wilderness went to the devil, he said, no, 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 not today. Not today. I got God's word. I got God's authority on this thing. You're not going to get victory over this today. You and I need to go seek those things out. And we got to possess those things by dispossessing the enemy that inhabits it for God's glory. Got to go to the enemy and say, you've been living here rent free for too long. It's time to get out. It's time to get out. And that's God's will And that's what God promises us, that victory. But you and I got to be willing, as was said before, to just go to war and go take those things. By what? By the word of God. And what I see in the book of Joshua is you got to be decisive. When God shows you that thing, you got to be decisive and you got to go. But this is not an exception, but let's look to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. So we're always trying to find a, a loophole, right? Trying to find a loophole of why we're not doing what God told us to do. Why we're not just grabbing a hold of the things that God has shown us to grab a hold of. Always trying to to look for that thing. Go to Matthew chapter 22. I'm sorry. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Turn me to Luke chapter 22 and then get down over there to... uh, Verse 41. Luke chapter 22, verse 41. There's some things in God's word that are very clear what his will is in your life. We looked at that one verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, right? It said his will that you know how to possess your vessel, abstain from fornication, right? Those are clear wills of God and so you've got that clearly, just go and possess that thing for the glory of God. We don't need to really have much of a discussion beyond that. But there's going to be some things as you're going out for God, you don't want to get ahead of him, right? And so there's some things that you might say, well, God, do I got your authority on this? Is this really what you want me to go out and to do? And in Luke chapter 22, verse 41, we have a perfect example of how to handle that situation. Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 41, he says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, talking about Jesus Christ in the garden, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So Jesus Christ in the garden, he's about to go to the cross. Now there was no hesitation in Jesus Christ. He was ready to do whatever God wanted him to do, but he said, God, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, remove this cup of wrath that you're going to have to pour out because I am going to take the sins of, of all these people on that cross. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. If this is the only way we can do it, then that's what we're going to do. And he says in verse 43, there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Man, how many times in those moments where you're not sure about God's will, you pray to him and you just feel the power of God show you in in his word or in counsel with with, with other godly people. And he says in verse 44, Jesus Christ being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You know what that shows me is that Jesus Christ wasn't going to God in the garden praying this prayer for a cop out just to find that loophole so he can go. He was praying because he really wanted to know what the will of God is. And we ought to be careful when God shows us something or we think God shows us something and we're not sure that, we're not bringing this prayer and this petition to God because we, we really know it's true, but we want to you know, cop out kind of like a Jonah, right? But if you're going to bring this prayer petition to God, let it be from a heart that really wants to know. Got to watch your heart. that You really want to know what God's will is because once he shows you that will, then you and I have a responsibility and an onus to actually go and do it. And in verse 45, he says, when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow, and said unto them, why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. You know what that tells me? That when the Savior uh, stood up in prayer, he had his answer. And he had his answer, and he went out, and he did it. And maybe there's something you need to say for a while, and maybe there's a ministry, maybe, that you think maybe God... I, I want to be involved in this ministry. Maybe you want to, you know, bring some glory for you in this. Maybe you've uh, got a feel you've got a calling to the mission field, right? And you've, the, maybe a mission field. I mean, uh, Pastor Pat, you know, had, had it on his heart for a while to start this church in New Jersey, right? And you're praying to God and saying, is, is it the right time? Do I go? Do I not go? You know, what is it? You know, you bring those prayers to God and you seek God's counsel on it. But then when God gives us an answer, we've got to be like Joshua and the children of Israel, Let's go. Let's go. All right, God, give me the answer. Thank you for that. Let's go. And I'm not going to think about all those other doubts and all those other things because I know I got an answer from God. And I'm not going to be like those people in Timothy that are going to then listen to the profane and vain babblings and heap, uh, heap unto myself teachers having itching ears, right? No, 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 no. I've got the authority of God's word. i got God on it. That's, that's enough. That's it for me. That's it for me. And that's what a possessing Christian looks like. That's what a possessing Christian looks like. You know, if you look throughout the... Um, also in Joshua, uh, let's turn here to Joshua chapter eleven. I know I got you flipping around here, but let's go to Joshua chapter eleven. <clears throat> this making sense this morning, Amen. Yeah. Hey, Joshua chapter eleven. <clears throat> I want us to get a good look at what victory looks like, you know, it's really helpful, at least for me to, you know, see the pictures, right, and see the, get the perspective, So, like, okay, this is, God, this is what you want it to look like, you know, and in John, uh, Joshua chapter 11, verse 15, this is what the victory looks like, this is after the cho- uh, children of Israel gone out and warred against all these other nations, they've, you know, they, they've um, walked around the walls of Jericho, uh, they've, they've led armies out, and they've surrounded them, all these different strategies and tactics that God, sometimes they just totally just rushed the enemy and God gave them victory in so many different ways and in verse 15 he says as the Lord commanded Moses his servant so did Moses command Joshua and so did Joshua he left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses man if we could just leave it all on the field we could leave it all on the field. In verse 16, he says, So Joshua took all that land, the hills, and all the south country, and all the land of Goshen, and the valley, and the plain, and the mountain of Israel, and the valley of the same, even from the Mount Halak that goeth up to Seir, even unto Balgad, and the valley of Lebanon, unto Mount Hermon, and all their kings he took, and smote them, and slew them. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings." And go down now to verse 23. It says, So Joshua took the whole land, according to all that the Lord said unto Moses, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel, according to the divisions by their tribes, and the land rested from war. Can I tell you that God wants to give you just complete victory out of all those things that he wants you to possess for his glory? You know, if you're at your, the, the, your, your job site, Man, if you're at the job set, you got to be the best worker, the best performer, that you could be, why? For the glory of God. Not so that you get the pat on the back, get the bonus at the end of the year. No. It's so that people can see your good works and then glorify God. So that when you tell people that you're a Christian, and you get a chance to share your testimony in the gospel, you know, they, they, in their mind, they're like, oh, these Christians, are these people, or these people, these people. But... but When they were looking at you like, wow, this guy, I really like this guy. He does a good job. I can trust him with all these things. He's doing a lot better than these other people that go out and do this and do that. And then you lay the bomb on them like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a Christian. This is how you get saved. It's like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Your testimony is going to see so many volumes and you're at the job site, do it for the glory of God. Just possess it, own it, capture it for the glory of God so that all that, the enemy can't say anything bad about you. So that those people can't look at, oh, he says he's a Christian, but you know, he always shows up late to work. He's always calling out this. You know, he's never doing, you know, he's doing a, a, um, a, a garbage job here, right? Let it not be said about the people of God. Right, And these are just uh, examples. And sometimes I feel like you know we're just throwing uh, stuff at the wall and see what sticks. But this is God's word. And so anything in your life, you find God's word on it. And you apply it. And you bring glory to God. And let it be complete. Isn't that the victory that Jesus Christ gave to us? Wasn't it complete? Didn't he say it was finished? Was there anything left? Was there any doubt on the cross for your salvation? Anything else left for you to do? No. No. There was nothing left. And so when we stand before God at that judgment seat, Let's leave it all on the field so that the best of your and I ability by applying this word and just following what God said, that we can say, God, these are all the things that I just, I possess for your glory, that I possess for your glory. So God's glory could just go out through all the earth and his light could shine in this dark world. Complete victory, that's what it looks like. That's a powerful message because a lot of us are just, a lot of Christians today, they can't find that victory. They can't find that victory. And I just want to say, you know, just go out there in God's word. And just don't doubt it Don't doubt it I'm preaching myself this all week Don't doubt it Don't doubt it Go on the power of God This is a victory to be had for the Christian He says we are more than conquerors Through him that loved us And if God be for us Who can be against us? Who can be against us? God's for you God's for you So we've got a couple more things And we're just going to bring this home A couple more things We're going to bring this home Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Touched on this a little bit um, before, but Deuteronomy chapter 7. And look over down there in verse 22. He says, And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. Thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beasts of the field increase upon thee. So as the nation of Israel, you're going to take that, those nations, you're going to possess that land by little and by little. By little and by little. So that those beasts of the field don't increase upon thee. And if you study throughout the Bible, the beasts of the field are often together in a verse with the fowls of the air. And, you know, the children of Israel, you wander too far in the wilderness, you're going to subject yourself to those beasts of the field, to the fowls of the air. And uh, Moses warned the children of Israel that they'd ever got to the place in the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32. So you get to the place where you've got all these possessions and your heart's lifted up with pride, and you say, Oh, it was me that got it, and, and it wasn't you, God. He said, Well, I'm going to dispossess you from this land, and the beasts of the field are going to feed on your carcasses. And you know, in the New Testament, you know, the beasts of the field, they, 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 they picture those e- evil spirits. You look at the uh, bulls of Bashan. that are at the cross prophesied in Psalm 22. Uh, Paul talks about uh, fighting with beasts at Ephesus. You and I, God says he's going to give us possession little by little. You're going to get victory here. You're going to get victory here. He's not going to give it to you all at once. Don't get too far ahead of God. Because you know what happens when I possess some things for God? If he just gave it to you all and it was that easy, you start looking around and you start saying, wow, God. I got all these things. You've blessed me with this because of that. I'm in church. I I go to church on Sunday. I got health. I got kids in school, got a good job. But I look at my neighbor and I mean, they don't go to church and, and, and they seem to be doing pretty good. They're not really questioning where their bread is coming from every day. Did I really need you for any of these things? Was it really you that gave me all these blessings, God? That's what starts to happen. And it's in God's heart to give you little by little. Little by little. I love this verse here. You don't have to turn there. um, But if you want to, you can. In uh, Proverbs chapter 30. This is God's heart. And it's consistent throughout the Bible. Proverbs chapter 30, uh, verse 7. He says, two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Don't give me too much, God. Don't give me too little. Why? Lest I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Man, the devil would like nothing more for you to get some victory in your life and then to just come in and say, man, yea, have God said, was it really God that did all this? I mean, wasn't it really your own strength? Wasn't it really your own discipline? And it, wasn't it really just you applying? It wasn't, really wasn't a spiritual power of God. It was just this, you know, Judeo-Christian, Western, biblical ethic, right? It, that's all it was. It was just these things that you apply. That's why you're able to have these things. There was no power of God in it. This is just a, you're, the way that you live, right? devil is going to try to whisper those things to try to take your heart. And then, you know what happens? You start to lose those things that you had because the sin enters into your life. And then the devil just feeds on that carcass. The devil just wants you to just be dead and out of fellowship and out of the battle. And thank God that he's merciful. This is Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law. Thank God that he's merciful that when you're down, he takes you back up. He cleans you up, and today, if you're willing today, man, he'll clean you back up. He said, just get back in here, make me your shepherd again, submit yourself to my authority again, and I'll start giving you that victory, and God does that, but we don't have to get there, so let's be wary of that. Don't get ahead of God, and don't get haughty and look around, and this is the last point here, is if you start to see that you've got some victory and you've got some things for God, you know what you should do? Start looking around how you can help others to have the same. And let's finish here and turn to Deuteronomy chapter three. Deuteronomy chapter three. Deuteronomy chapter three. And let's look here in uh in verse eighteen. In verse eighteen. Should skip up a little bit in Deuteronomy chapter three, verse sixteen. It says, "And unto the Reubenites and unto the Gadites I gave from Gilead." Even unto the river Arnon, half of the valley, and the border, even unto the river Jabbok, which is the border of the children of Amon, The plain also in Jordan and the coast thereof, from Shinarath even unto the sea of the plain, even the salt sea unto Ashtadath Pisgah, eastward. And I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God hath given you this land to possess it. Ye shall possess over armed before your brethren, the children of Israel, all that are meet for war. But you, your wives and your little ones and your cattle, for I know that you have much cattle, shall abide in your cities which I have given you, until the Lord have given rest unto your brethren as well as unto you, and until they also possess the land which the Lord your God hath given them before Jordan. And then shall you return every man unto his possession which I have given you. The children of Israel, after that first generation got wiped out in the wilderness, they took over some land on the other side of Jordan. They hadn't crossed over Jordan yet, but they took over the land of the Amorites, Sion, the king of the Amorites, Og, the king of Bashan, they possessed that land, they were just getting started. And the Reubenites and the Gadites looked around and they said, this looks pretty good to us. Don't really feel any need to cross over Jordan and go get everything else that God has. This looks pretty good for us. Moses, let's just we'll just take this and we're good. Moses doesn't like that answer. Why? He tells them that you're going to stand here, let me get this straight, and you're going to possess all these things and you're going to bless God for all the things God's given you. But then, The other children of Israel, your brothers and your sisters, they're going to go to war and they're going to keep fighting. And you're not going to do anything about that. You're not going to help them accomplish any of that. And you know, you and I, number one, don't just settle for a couple of victories. Don't just settle for those things. Because God's got so much out there for you. We talk about getting all that God has, has, has for you as a Christian. Don't just settle for a couple of victories. There's so many things that God has for you. And you know what Moses said in verse 24, of the same chapter? Man, he, he, Moses is looking around. He's thinking about deliverance out of, out of Egypt. He saw the, the plagues. He saw the parting of the Red Sea. And Moses saw the man in the wilderness, the water coming out of the rock. He saw these victories over, over these kings. And he said, oh, Lord, thou hast just begun to show thy servant, thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might. He says, oh, Moses said, I know God, I can't go in, but oh, if there's any chance, because I'm just starting to see that you're just getting going. Oh man, you and I start to get some victory in our our lives to start to apply this word. Oh man. We just start to see what God has for us. We just start to see how many times did uh, Jesus go to a village and he would have done so many more, so much more for those people uh, if they wouldn't believe him anymore. He would have done so much more for the children of Israel if they just believed him. He'll do so much more for us, give us so much more victory if we're just willing to go for, to war with him just one more time. Just one more time. To get that one more thing that the enemy still got a shoreline on our lives. But the next part, and the reason why he was really angry with the, with, with the, uh, the Gadites and the Reubenites is because they were just going to let their brothers just go and fight this battle on their own. And you and I, as we mature in Jesus Christ, and you know, we've been talking about all these different ministries that we want to start today, we want to start making us able ministers, that we want to start to be able to disciple others. Why? So that you can share what God's shown you, and you can take the bread that God's given you, and you can help give it to somebody else. And so that I can help give it to somebody else. Because I mean, what, what else am I good for if I can't, it, other than to share what God said? My thoughts don't matter. My whatever doesn't matter. It's God's word. And if God can use me and use you to show some of the light that God's shown you, then you can bring glory. Then you can bring glory to God. And that's God's will. And that's God's will. And let's turn to the final verse here. I thank you for your attention here. This is the last verse here. Joshua chapter 24. Last verse here. <coughs> It's talking about possession, what it looks like. <clears throat> Getting all God has, bringing it some glory, bringing him some glory, helping our brothers and our sisters out, not trying to get too far ahead of him. But some of you might be thinking, well, what happens when I reach that proverbial place where I possess all the things that, you know, God wants me to possess? And none, none of us are the fourth part of the Trinity. All right, truth be told, none of us are ever going to be able to stand before God on this earth and say, God, I'm without sin. I'm without sin. As so long as you got this flesh, there's always going to be a battle to be fought. There's always going to be a victory left to be had. Don't let that deter you, though, because that means that you're still in the fight. Thank God that you're still in the fight. You got some breath in your lungs. You're still in the fight. But when you get to a place, though, where you've got some maturity, some of us maybe have been saved for a long time. We've learned a lot of lessons. We have a lot that we can share with others. Maybe one of those people, right? Or even if you get one victory, you want to know how to keep that victory so that you don't get dispossessed. You don't lose that victory for God. You don't go backwards and get backslidden. You know how you do that? In Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, this is... After conquering the land, this is what Joshua tells the children of Israel. He says, Now therefore, this is what you got to do. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. You know how you keep the victory that God's given you? The same way you got the victory. You stay faithful to God's word. Amen. You put God's word first. You live and you choose God. Because the enemy is always going to be coming up. Always going to be coming up. The Bible says be so vigilant, Your adversary, the devil, you walketh about as a roaring lion seeking Whom he may devour. He's always gonna be there. So you can never let your guard down. Never let your guard down. But like we say before, go take the fight. Go take the fight. Go possess those gates. And as God gives you that victory, just keep choosing God. Today, choose God. Tomorrow, choose God. Keep choosing God. That's the choice that you and I will always be given until God calls us home. And that's the answer that we always gotta have back is Lord. Whatever you want me to do, by your name, by your power, I'm going to do it. And I want to close here. This um, is a song that maybe you're familiar with, but really sums up a lot of stuff we've been talking about today. The name of this song is called A Christian's Daily Prayer. And uh, this is what I want my prayer to be. As morning dawns and day awakes, to you I bring my need. O gracious God, my source of strength, in you I live and breathe. Each hour is yours by wisdom planned, each deed empowered by thine own hands. Renew my spirit, help me stand. Be glorified today. As day unfolds, I seek your will in all of life's demands. And though the tempter tries me still, I cling to your commands. Let every effort of my life display the matchless worth of Christ. Make me a living sacrifice be glorified today. As sun gives way to darkest night, your spirit still is here. And though my strength fades like the light, new mercies will appear. I rest in you, abide with me until life's trials and suffering give way to final victory. Be glorified today. Be glorified, I pray. Pastor.